the correspondence between tradition and my own spiritual development was proof that I was Jewish. This Pardes Life is an original podcast production from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. For more original Torah content, please visit www.elmad.pardes.org. E-L-M-A-D.pardes.org. Welcome, everyone, to another hopefully fascinating, actually, I'm certain it'll be fascinating episode of This Pardes Life. I'm Svi Hirschfield. It is my privilege to be speaking with you from sunny, suburban Philadelphia. Where are we exactly? Drexel Hill. We are in Drexel Hill, for those of you who know those things, and the, the leaves have changed color, and it's sunny outside. And I am privileged to be in the palatial suburban home of uh, artist, student, teacher, friend, Matt Barr. Matt Barr is, I say unequivocally, the leading and most important Bible rapper that uh, the Jewish or non-Jewish world has produced to date. Uh, he has influenced hundreds, if not thousands, of young people and adults with his music and his creativity and his love of Torah. And uh, it's a privilege to uh, have him here and spending some time with us. And he even hosted me in his home. So he's just been a giver uh, today and yesterday, and I'm sure... Uh, beyond that, so welcome. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. My uh, we're, and and thank you for staying at at the at the crib. That's that's hip hop for house. Okay, thank you for the translation. And um, yes, we're in suburbs of Philly. The uh, MC for the rapper stands for Master of Ceremonies, but also for middle class. That means I made it because as a rapper, I just the M- I, I for me making it is making enough to keep doing it. Um, it was awesome to see uh, Svi playing with my, my kid this morning. Um, they had some uh, a deep chavruta over Jonah, um, and, jo- and uh, Micah just turned three, so it was cool to see Svi uh, learning with my three-year-old. Well, Micah is a burgeoning Talmud Chacham. He, he not only recited the story of Jonah, but he used words in English that I barely understood uh, and corrected me on my pronunciation of Neve, which was also uh, just terrific. So it was no doubt to me that the future of uh, Bible raps, there's another generation emerging. So uh, the Jewish people are in good shape. So uh, here we are. What text did you choose for us today? Um, I thought we'd just go from the beginning of Pirkei Avot. Wisdom of the fathers, taught to our daughters, taught to their mothers. So wisdom is a woman. So... To women, give honor. Uh, me see her, me see me smaller. Pathways of peace, from her speech they holler. Per vote from Mishnah Torah, is that right? Uh, from, from, from the Mishnah. Mishnah. From the Mishnah. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Let's do it. So I'll read, I'll read the Hebrew, and then uh, Matt will uh, read the English, and then he's going to take us. We're just going to talk a little bit about what this text means to me and to him and uh, how it influences life a little bit. Right so the opening begins with Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelek Olam Haba Shene Emar Vaamech Kulam Sadikim LeOlam Yeshu Aretz Netzer Matai Maasei Yadai Lehit Paer. And in English, all Israel has a share in the world to come, as it is said. And your people are all righteous; they shall inherit the land forever. A branch of my plantings, my handiwork, in which to take pride, which is from Isaiah. So, you know, this is a strange introduction to, I mean, this, Pirkei Avot has a lot to do about 
morals and ethics and how to live and how to structure your life. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think, why would this text begin, you think, with this mention of really the afterlife? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a bold beginning to just say, uh, first off, all the people, if you're reading this, you're good and you're in the afterlife. Um, so you got that taken care of. And um, perhaps it's saying, if you follow the fault, the proceeding, then, then this, then you will make it to the Alon Habad and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I was struck by just the beginning of, uh, you know, ethics to be um, having nothing to do necessarily with ethics, but rather the afterlife and not about how to live this life. Um, and you know, everybody, a lot, there needs to be, or for some people, there needs to be a reason why you are good. And for a lot of people that is for the world to come or for after death, um, as much as some people want to try to do it, to be good for good sake, whatever that means. Um, it seems like it's starting off maybe for some motivation as to why to consider ethics. Um, do you like that motivation? Or would you prefer, um, do you do things because you think about afterlife or do you do them because they're good? Uh, I wouldn't, after my life, I do things, not in, not necessarily for eternal life. Um, so, you know, I do consider the next hundred thousand years, you know, my one goal as a Bible rapper is to, you know, make it so one line is made it into the canon of the oral tradition. And in 500 years at some yeshiva, they'll be like, oh, the Rav Bible rapper, you know, uh, said, not trying to be a prophet, but he who parted the sea is a part of me, you know. Beautiful. So you want to be in some way attached to this book, right? This is where you want to be. So for me also, just to say, I think that this beginning, it calms me because I'm about to read all of these ways I'm supposed to be honest and God-fearing and caring and forthright and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes read that and go, I failed. Right. Right. All that comes Mm. to mind are all the ways in which I don't live up to what's being demanded of me. So maybe the beginning is to say, listen, this is aspirational. This is where you want you to be. But don't think that if you, quote unquote, don't hit the mark, you're out. Because all of Israel, and you're one of them, like you said, if you're opening this book, you're good. Right, right, right. So maybe that... uh, that's like that makes calming sense. that. Yeah, yeah. Not so much pressure, not so much stress and all this. And you might be more likely to, uh, in a better position to accept it, the wisdom, instead of, uh, um, you know, looking at it as all, so much pressure in the world that it's not about the effort. So you're saying, in fact, that it's not, that it's letting you know this isn't about Alom Habad at all, what you're about to read. Oh, this is, this is, that's good. You're good with that. This is about this life. Beautiful. Yeah. So let me ask you, do you ever, does it ever get into your head that issue of judgment? Am I good enough? Am I a good enough Jew? Am I a good enough artist? Am I a good enough this or that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, all the time in certain regards. I'm kind of always li- living under that pressure, be it for myself or from just other situations, whether it be you have to be good enough to make enough money, you have to be good enough to, you know, make it professionally, to make sure your children are growing up in a healthy environment to make sure your wife is happy. You know, for the most part, I kind of live in a perpetual state of not of accepting that I'm not good. And I'm not really living up to the ideals and aspirations. But 
um, that means there's always a space to grow. And so there's two ways of kind of, I can judge myself as comparing myself to a year ago, which, you know, I do take pride in then I have, because there is growth in things that I've been working on that I'm well aware, um, in order to make me a better person, uh, a better father, a better husband, a better, uh, um, teacher and MC. And then there's, you know, income and then, but the mechanism by which I, uh, have growth is this kind of, um, ideal above me that I'll never really reach but it's still something that um, gives me at least a goal or uh, an aim towards an orientation that allows me to kind of grow from year to year in regards to my past year. Wow, beautiful. So should we take, should we... Yeah, let's keep it moving. Okay, let's do it. Moshe kibel Torah misinai, umasara la Yoshua, v'yoshua lezekenim, uzkenim l'nevi'im, nevi'im masarua l'anshe kneset ha'gadola. So now, right, it begins, I'm sorry, read it in English. Here we go. Moshe received. Moshe received the Torah from God who revealed himself at Mount Sinai and conveyed it to Joshua. Joshua conveyed it to the elders. The elders conveyed it to the prophets and the prophets conveyed it to the men of the great assembly. It has like a poetic rhythm, right? I saw you were, as you were reading it, you kind of naturally fell into the musicality of it. I was waiting for you to drop a beat. Really? Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means. I can't do that. Okay. I can't do that. It's amazing he can do that, but just so everyone's listening, I can't do that. So what do you make of this? This idea that the Torah is this thing that just gets handed down. Moshe gets it over to Yoshua, over to this Canaan. Uh And, you know, according to many people, this is even the oral law. This is even the written law. It's like the Torah in all, Judaism is this package right. that gets handed down from God and then passed down. How do you relate to that? Well, I think that's kind of... Uh, I relate to that in a powerful sense because it's kind of, it's attracted me. It's pulled at my inner consciousness, be that what I can reflect on just as a reflective human being, but my dreams, my mist, my moments of, of mystical transcendence that kind of are all uh, somehow uh, anchored or attached to um, this thing called Torah. Um, and so I don't, I take those things serious. So when kind of my subconscious or whatever you want to call it kind of, um, uh, seems to be in, uh, lit up by learning Torah, um, and, and kind of obviously make my consciousness a lot more expansive and interesting. Um, and then uh, you know, I start believing in the magic of it a little bit because I can read. I was a philosophy student, you know, and it, and philosophy didn't really like pull at all strings of my being, more just my cerebral intellectual being. Besides Nietzsche, a little bit, but um, but whereas when learning Torah, it I can sense that it's. It's uh, doing more, not doing things to not just my thoughts, but also my spirit, my being, my kind of uh, things that are below the consciousness and under consciousness that comes out in different ways. And so um, it's this mysterious thing that happened at Sinai and that's been kind of passed down, which is, you know, it's, we, it seems to be passed down unadulterated at this point all the way to the elders 
Um, and then by the time it gets to us, you know, ideally there's still a piece of the essence left in that, that someone like you will pass on to me, uh, and but you got it from someone and it goes back to Sinai. So there is a little slice of um, the real deal there, plus all this accumulated wisdom over the generations that are attached to that slice of real Sinai. So we're part of this chain. You feel yourself as part of that chain. I, I do. Um, and not in like an necessarily arrogant way, but in, you know, like what people say, oh, do you believe in God? And it's like, I don't even know what it means to believe in God. I just have this perpetual inner dialogue with God that's be that I can't help but have. So it's not a matter of belief. It's just a matter of is. And so I, whether it's fantastic, fantastical or, um, you know, a self-delusion, fine. But it's, it's my reality in which I do um, kind of attach myself to this chain of, of Torah. So I'm curious because there's something in what you do. I always try to, whenever I listen to one of your raps, I, I'm, I don't know which I'm more amazed by. Am I more amazed by the fact that, oh my gosh, there's, there's Torah in here. This is like the real thing. On the other hand, I'm amazed by, look at the creative element that he built from it. You know what I'm saying? In other mm -hmm. words, there's a sense of something very traditional and something very creative and new. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, when, when you do this, right, do you see yourself, because you're an educator, right? Mm -hmm. You're not, uh, as you, this, came, this will come out wrong, you're not only an artist. I don't mm -hmm. mean to imply being an artist is an only. But yeah, gotcha. in other words, you are very much committed. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's put this way. Sharing your art is also about sharing Judaism and educating Judaism to people. Mm -hmm. right. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. You'll agree with that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that makes you a Jewish educator. Welcome mm -hmm. to the club. Right you, this is official. If you haven't received your certificate in the mail, I'm giving it to you now. Thank you. So my question, I guess, is do you see yourself, is it the greater motivator to be someone who's going to pass on the tradition in a way that people will be more open to hear it, especially mm -hmm. young people? Or is the idea to create and add on and put your own piece uh, mm -hmm. into this as something new. I f kind of feel like those are one and the same in the following way. Um, my, I, I was, when I first started doing Bible raps, I probably had a lot more folk songs written than raps. I was part of a rap group and really in the hip hop world for the um, preceding three years. Um, so, and I was being schooled by people who are like of hip hop culture about, you know, the dictums of hip hop and the culture of hip hop. So I really had that lens at the front of my brain when I really started learning Torah at Pardes. Um, and so there, it was just very natural to always be comparing what I was learning about rabbinic culture to hip hop culture. And a lot of parallels were, were like manifested just organically. Um, but I found... Uh, that one of the best ways for me to really get into the text, for me to really understand, for me to uh, crystallize my um, understanding of Torah would be writing raps about it, not writing folk songs about it. You know, rap seemed to be my doorway to the deepest trail down, you know, Torah forest. Um, and so my, what became, my, uh, uh, being an artist and trying to make art out of Torah um, uh, also was the best way for me to transmit Torah to the next generation. So it wasn't necessarily a choice of like, I got to make the best art, but my, but my best art also, I think was the best 
um, hip hop was the best way to transmit Torah to other people. Do you ever pause? Is it ever like a consideration? Oh, if I write that lyric, that's going to be that might be too harsh. That might be not treating Moshe with enough all the, all respect. The time. Maybe I shouldn't say that because you know. That's not the way I want people to hear me talk about Miriam or Aharon right. or Mordechai or Esther or anybody else. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always have one um, ear to my audience and what sounds good, be it rhythmically or, or melodically, but one ear t- um, to the rabbis to make sure that it's kind of um, authentic to the tradition and not something that's, you know, that keeps it real, so to speak, within Jewish culture. I mean, that's kind of my responsibility is to try to keep it real, both as a as a rapper um, and a Jewish educator. And that's kind of the tightrope um, I walk across while making hip hop songs about Torah. So there's tons of times when when um, I'm trying to kind of I've read all a bunch of commentators about a biblical story, and I'm trying to uh, somehow bring them all in into make one. Uh, kind of reading of the Torah story that incorporates uh, different commentators um, to make one narrative. I kind of basically picked up the way like Michael Hatton gets down and he teaches, you know, like it is just one story, but that story is made up of like six, seven different insights from commentators throughout the preceding 3000 years, you know? And so that's been, I basically am trying to do a Michael Hatton lecture in rap you know, is, 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 is what Bible rap's job is. Um, and so I, I'm always considering, does this, you know, does this, um, would the rabbis that I'm, um, that I look up to, would they consider this legitimate, legitimate, you know, I mean, that's very important to me and, and kind of, um, I'm always paying attention to that, yeah. Are you also thinking about do the rappers I look up to, would they look at this rap as legitimate? Is I do, exactly, exactly. That, you know, when, uh, like, for example, when I went back from Pardes after, at, for, for winter break my, in 2008 or 2000, yeah, 2008, I was telling my producer on the label I was on, I was on a rap label called Renaissance, and I was like, yeah, I'm writing these raps about Judaism. And he was like, okay, you know, like, um, he's an African-American Christian guy. Um, and he's like, all right, well, let's hear what you got. So I, so I went in the studio and I was like, 8 a.m. I wake up and then go back to sleep. I ain't wake until 10. I make a bagel with the cream cheese working. And then he stops the re- record. He's like, that ain't Jewish. Just because you're talking about bagels doesn't make it Jewish. And, wow. You know, was like not having it. Was not having That's me amazing. like. amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a sense of. Keep it real. You come authentic. I mean, that's like, you know, I keep it real is kind of uh, trite at this point. Um, but it's, authenticity is really kind of the number one uh, motto of, of hip-hop. And so that translates very well into, into Judaism um, and trying to um, authentically convey Torah, you know, and not make it this kind of surface silly parody um, so, and I was like, no, 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 hold on, Jamie, hold on, no, I'm getting to it, I'm getting to the good part, I, not just about bagels, you know, uh, so, yeah, I have quality control, for sure, and I'm always, uh, you know, on my last album, I have a, a couple a couple rappers from my old crew on it, and and making sure, I'm always passing new stuff back to my producers from my old crew to get their take, to make sure that they say, oh, that's dope, 
because I don't have necessarily the best um, it's self-evaluation. Um, so it's good to have people who, producers of hip-hop, be like, that's dope, that's whack, that sounds good, you know. Um, and it's not like they're, like, going to go bump it in their car and be like, oh, you know, I'm listening to that new Joshua rap. You know, this is <laughs> ill, you know, let's turn this up, you know. But they at, at the same time, they say, yes, lyrically and, and from a rap standpoint, that sounds, that's tight. Your flow is tight. I mean, it's the same. They're, they're, they can still, lyrics, you can take the content of the lyrics out and rap and just hear the flow. And if this, and if it snaps, is the way, if it snaps, like it just hits your eardrum the right way. Um, and so I'm, I have that quality control and kind of my rebbies of hip hop in my corner, letting me know um, uh, if it's high quality rap or if it needs to be worked on. So here you are, like a, living in both of these cultures. Right. You're both a uh, rabbinic scholar. I know you don't see yourself that way, but I'll give you that label. And you're a rapper, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, your podcast, Rabbis and Rappers... Make some Torah love and noise! It's on El Mod, by the way, and everybody should listen. But I feel like the piece that you don't give yourself enough credit for is you are both a rabbi and a rapper. I feel like in that setting, you see yourself as the rapper and then these other rabbis are sitting there. But I, after doing one with you, Right. You're also a rabbi. You're a rabbi and a rapper at the same time. So my question for you, as I know you're soaking that in, worrying mm -hmm. about what the implications with that might be, because you now just received smicha. You're now a rabbi. <laughs> and congratulations <laughs> to Matt you. Bar nice. for that. Uh, but if rabbi means being part of the tradition of people who pass mm -hmm. this down, you're a rabbi. Well, welcome to the rabbinic club. Right. Uh, it doesn't pay well. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe you have to buy a new outfit or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You got the haircut for it now. So yeah, you're, yeah. you're well on your way. Those of you who can't see it. But he's looking particularly handsome today. Uh, now I distracted myself from my question. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel that because you have a foot in both worlds, that you're never, you never get to stand wholly and firmly in one? Like, are you always right. in tension? And does it ever feel like I'm just this, I'm trying to bridge and hold on mm -hmm. to these two things that right. are just pulling me in different directions. I do think about that. I have a line, with my feet on separate mountains, guess I'm too big for my bridges. Um, and I guess from a, a, a different, I actually feel the opposite in that hip hop has blessed me with a lens to acquire Torah more effectively. Um, so I don't think I would understand Torah and Judaism um, to the degree that I do if I didn't first have schooling in hip-hop. Uh, you know, it's my hermeneutics, so to speak. Um, it, you know, uh, and they, they enter, I mean, there's just, whether it be battle raps, are like you you and your opponent diss each other about who's the realist, what's real, and then and you can go real hard is similar to like the model for Chavruta. So there's this parallels of the culture. So like it's not a yes and culture in hip hop. You're supposed to try to um, diss your or you know try to one up your battle rapping opponent, and in Chavruta you're supposed to kind of you know. Sharp, sharpen your sword by by lunging, by going for attacks, or or just the idea of of sampling in hip hop. Hip hop it, it, it exists where the the origin of hip hop is um, in in the Bronx 
there they the uh, in public schools there was a recession in the seventies, so the band in public schools was taken away in public schools, so there's no longer tubas and instruments. No instruments. Right. Too expensive. We're exactly. taking those out. So what happened is a guy named Cool Herc, so the legend goes, like who is like the Yohanan Ben Zakai of hip hop, was like uh, took two record players and um, basically played four measures of each record and, and cut them together. So, you know, he'd have like a James Brown uh, trumpet solo and then a Parliament Funkadelic beat on the other turntable. And while that one was playing, the other one would be being rewound with his other hand. So then you'd, he'd mash them together. To, Manually, not with a computer. Exactly, manually. Manually right. mashing it together exactly. with just turntables. Exactly. For those of you who are under 25, a turntable right. is something you would play a vinyl record album on. Right, right. Keep going. And so um, that, and then the rapper would come and rap over that. So now you're having a conversation with uh, music from the 60s, music from the late 70s, and the rapper responding to that, and he's living in the 80s. So, and then even more so, sampling became, that's sampling. You're taking music or words from different eras of music, mashing them together, having them go in conversation with one another, this kind of intergenerational dialogue, which is similar to Talmud. Um, yeah, rapping is Midrash, right? You're taking verses from different parts of the Torah and combining them or, or making them reflect on one another. Right. And you're layering on top of that your own take or your own exactly. interpretation. Right, right. So, Who knew? You know? We've been doing rap for 2,000 years. Right, rappers and rabbis. Make some noise. <laughs> All right, should we take another, look yeah. at another one? All right, let's you get to pick. Um, well, let's, let's see. Uh, how about, well, I wanted to get into Shimon the Righteous. Okay. Well, we were talking about a tzaddik. Hey, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Noah last night in our mm -hmm. ra uh, Rabbis and Rappers, and now here we are talking about another tzaddik, Shimon HaTzaddik. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's something... Resonating there. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take a look. Shimon HaTzadik Haya Mishirei Knesset Hagdola. Hu Haya Omer Al Shloshad Vrim HaOlam Omed Al HaTorah V'Yala Avodah V'Al Gemilut Chasadik. Shimon the Righteous was one of the remnants of the Great Assembly. He used to say, the world stands on three, three things. On the Torah, on the service of God, and upon acts of loving kindness. Um, so I picked that in part because, uh, well, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, um, that I'm a committed listener to is Rabbi Mike Fuhrer's. Mike Foyer. Mike yeah. Foyer. Um, Fuhrer's not the best last name for a Jew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really love that. I love just kind of the combination of retelling history, but also getting into Torah and so, talked about, I think this is right, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, Shimon the Righteous is the one that encountered, there's a source about him encountering Alexander, Alexander right, yeah. and how it was like this collision of the, these, Alexander was this magnificent, beautiful human being that like, took, you know, the greatest conqueror, as well as this enlightened philosopher king. A student of, of Aristotle, yeah, Plato, or right, say right. And then him encountering, meeting Shimon the Righteous, who came like dressed beautifully amongst the priests and like they were all dressed up and Alexander was, esteemed him, you know. So I like that, at least from the, the implications of this collision of Greek Jewish thought and how 
um, kind of remarkable that that collision was. We're still kind of living in that the synthesis, you know, Judeo-Christian world is literally Greek. Shimon and Alexander, you know, with is 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 kind of what we're living in. So just a, it's cool when you're learning Torah and then you go back and you read something that you've read and you're like, I know who this guy is. Now I understand a little more why he might say uh, um, the things he does. I understand where he was in history a little bit more. I understand kind of his personality a little more. Um, um, well, it really fits what you're saying because if you look at his statement... He's not, he doesn't say three things that upon which Judaism stands or Torah stands or a good Jewish life. He says the world. Right. Right. So it's almost like here he is. I imagine telling right. Alexander, right. I know from you think from your Hellenistic culture, you right. know what makes the world stand. Right. I'm here to tell you over here right. in Eretz Yisrael, right. we have a different view of, of how what holds up the world. Right, right, and right. Let me tell you our take on it. Uh-huh. We have a claim. Right. right. We have a wisdom that isn't just for us. Right. Yeah. You know, we have a wisdom for the whole world. Right. Which makes me think that, you know, in an ideal world, your Bible raps are not only for Jews or students of Torah. It, it, do you want it, is it a wisdom that you want everyone to tap into? Diff- uh, it, to a degree. Um, I would, I mean, if, if for things that are for like America, you know, there's American Jewry. I think what I'm working on right now is basically the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was compared in a meme that went viral to notorious B.I.G. That's right. Okay. I got yeah. Even I've heard of that. Yeah. So exactly. So there's, she's already part of the hip hop zeitgeist and just with. All the things going on in America, you, I think a lot of Jewish educators living in America are thinking, North America are thinking, how they can, uh, you know, I just couldn't imagine growing up being 8, 9, 10, and have what one's civic identity is in North America right now, and how it's being nurtured, and what is being nurtured by. So to give an alternative um, understanding of America through Ruth Bader Ginsburg is something that kind of like when I want to speak to all of America, I do it maybe through Jewish heroes. You know, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you can talk about separation of powers, you can talk about women's rights, you can talk about, um, you know, not of man, not of God, but a nation of laws. Moses Hammurabi, take notes, take pause, thank God for the Constitution, and people making us a, us a, USA, perfect union. Anyway, um, so, but in regards to, I, I really have... A certain particularism when it comes to teaching Judaism, um, and I don't shy away from circumscribing Jewish wisdom um, in contrast to Hellenism or in contrast to Christianity. Uh, versus, so it might not be for everybody. It is for everybody, and, but I think that it also might speak. It's 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 the vessel is a little more open for young Jews. Um, and there are some things that are universalistic and everybody, I think, um, listening to someone like Rabbi Yaffa or, um, or, uh, like we'll get something great from them. Everybody would. But for me, I'm kind of, uh, there is a certain particularism that it might, it might not even be important to you to hear about Jewish history. Like, why would I care, um, about this, this tribe called Israel or that tribe called Israel is no longer the real Israel to me. The real Israel is 
you know, uh, is Christianity now or whatever, or, or Islam now, like we're where it's at. So why are we even talking about, um, that tribe as if, um, there's relevance, they're relevant now, you know? And so I'm going to confront that and not just be like, yeah, every, yeah. Okay, fine. You know, like we're all, then let's just all talk about it as if it means as if there, you don't have this designations and I don't have these designations, but we do have designations that conflict and we should be able to talk about the differences and contrast them. And what I say about things you're going to completely disagree with, um, in terms of my rendering of the history of, um, monotheism and, and, and who has ownership over it. I have, a, I have some friends that are, um, you know, black Israelites, um, and not like, not, you know, um, uh, well, maybe we won't get into that, but you know, where they, where the, the idea is that Ashkenazi Jews are not legitimately Jew. They're not Jews. They're Jewish, the religion Jew, but they, they're, they're not, not genetically Jew. Interesting. Well, yeah. So they're and, writing you out. They're, yeah, they're saying, exactly. They're saying we you participate in the culture, but you don't. It's not your birthright. Exactly, and so that's a challenge. And like, instead of being like, I have a pretty, I don't have fangs in my ear is one way of putting it. Meaning, I can hear a lot and not, and it doesn't. I'm not going to bite you if you say something that completely uh, degrades my identity. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's something um, that. Uh, some, I, I guess it's, it's, it's a, for me, it's, it's a valuable thing to keep because it allows me to hear the truths of many cultures without, um, dismissing them, but trying to get into their inner thought and, um, and have friends with people that think my entire identity is, is, is a, like a ridiculous fantasy, you know? But we're still can be, you know, that, so it's like that being said, we can still be friends, which is, we're kind of running out of that space of, of, but it's an important thing that if you degrade my identity or don't think, or don't think, uh, it, it's a, it's a space where I don't have to make sure that you think my identity is completely authentic before we can be friends. It's not that big of a deal to me, which is different than how a lot of people's get down in North America. But at the same time, it's allowed me to kind of, travel in a lot of different cultures and really understand where other people are coming from. You Do you know? think part of that is just because you're so confident with who you are that it doesn't scare you if somebody else doesn't see it that way? I think so. I think that I've had enough reinforcement cosmically um, about my identity, about my identity um, uh, as well as, you know, even if it is we're all going to die and this might just be, we might just be dust and that's that. So it's, it's maybe everything's just ridiculous and absurdity, you know? So, so be it. Um, but even if it is a fantasy, it's a, it's one that I think, uh, you know, leads, leads me in the right direction. So, um, it, 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 the end is legitimate. Even if the means is an illusion at the very least, at the very most is that I have moments of, uh, cosmic validation that are a lot more significant than what some random dude has to tell me about, oh, no, no, you're, you know, oh, don't you know that the Khazars in the 8th century right. um, had this conversion, and that's where you're, you come from. yeah, and it's right. like, okay, interesting. Even though within our system, a convert is then still also part of the nation, it doesn't undermine our claim, but right. you have a lot of emunah, uh, and I realize that, uh, someone meeting you for the first time because they don't see tzitzit falling to the floor and seeing you carrying uh, a Talmud or a Tehillim with you, 
uh, they wouldn't recognize that. But hearing you, you have a tremendous amount of emuna. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I'm hearing that's what enables you really to be so open because you have this foundation that mm-hmm. doesn't feel undermined just because somebody else doesn't see it the right. way they see it. Right. So I'm going to ask you one more tough question because you chose the text. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Okay. So I see in you the Torah. Mm-hmm. And I see acts of loving kindness. I just want to say for you, what does service of God mean? Right? That was one of the pillars here. What do you what do you do with that phrase and you think about service to God? That's usually people re- say that's referring to prayer, is that right? Well, either prayer, some say it's sacrifices, but uh-huh. I guess it's worship. Worship. Okay. Right? Right, right. So let's put that way. Yeah, yeah. Are you a worshiper? Yeah, that's I have trouble and always have had trouble with prayer. In part because I don't speak Hebrew very well. So it's and in part yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that when I do go to shul, it's for my wife and my family, and I bring a book. You know, I'll bring Nietzsche, you know, and read that while everybody... I don't know how you feel about that, by the way. <laughs> what? You have mixed feelings about you I, bringing him into a shul. But okay. that, right, right. That's another conversation because yeah. I, I, I'm of the opinion that Nietzsche is a philo-Semite, and he said the no, Jew... No, yeah, I do also. Yeah, okay. I think, but I'm saying in terms of the whole God, I got religion, yeah, yeah. priest, right, you right, know, I hear you. but I, I'm with you. Okay. okay. So, um, I don't know, I guess, so I, uh, you know, you can't do it all. Um, and I think I have my kind of, if it, whether it be faith or work, acceptance of my premise is that the Torah is from Hashem. And so I don't really have to worry about God in terms of worshiping God is if I'm diligent in my job of, of learning and teaching Torah. So it kind of takes care, not doesn't take care of that. I mean, I'm constantly having conversations since I was before I, re, as long as I remember, I've, I've had a weird um, kind of inner conversation with the mystery of existence. And, and, and that's started off for as long as I remember. So there's always been this kind of conversation with quote unquote God, whatever that is, even though it might be, I'm, I always qualify. It might be delusional, which is funny. But, you know, regardless, it's it's part of my identity and part of just who I, my makeup. Um, but I would like to get in more into prayer. I don't think, I try, you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not good at like, like, nigunim, singing it like that makes me uncomfortable as heck. You know, it's just like, I'm like, yeah. That kind of music doesn't move you. Not really. I mean, it can, if it's a pretty melody. Um... Um, and it's, but no, no, I mean, I'd be much more spiritually enlightened if we're all singing Beatles together than singing the Nigunim together. Um, it's just better songs to me, you know I mean? Better melody. If it's the point is us singing together, like let's, let's go with the best melody. melody. Yeah. Um, and then saying prayers, you know, I, I have my own ritual since I was very young. I'd always like, thank God. And then say peace, love, happiness to all. And then in, before I sleep, and then the deepest, and then I try to reach the deepest ends of my consciousness, um, and there'd be like this little black hole that I would focus on, and then as soon as I focus on it, I'd say amen, and like zap it out into the cosmos, you know? And, and I think maybe because the first thing they had me do in, in Sunday school when I was five was like draw God, and I, and I draw God normal, and draw God when he's happy, or no, when he's angry. And, you know, everybody drew an angel, uh, like an angel figure in the clouds. 
And I drew like a black box on both pages, you know. Just wow. at that age, I kind of understood like, you what do you mean? Deep existentialist at the age I, of five. I was a straight, I kind of, yeah. but I just like I grew up in a in a in a situation. I get it. I mean, there was a lot of talk of spirituality in my house to a degree, um, but it was not never nourished. So it became a very personalized, individualized spirituality. So by the time I started learning Torah. I had a pretty um, complex spiritual identity, and then when I learned started learning Torah, I was like, "Wow, this is like, you know, I, uh, this is matches a lot of what I've been thinking, and then takes it beyond what I've been thinking. It really corresponded in my, you know, when I started learning Torah when I was twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, um, the correspondence between tradition and my own spiritual development." was like proof proof that I was Jewish because I was had these own thoughts and this own kind of uh, way of looking at reality and what I valued that was developed kind of on my own through my own living in Iowa City. I was almost the only Jew. You know, I was one of two or three Jews in my class. And but then, so I had, it was just a self-referential, um, you know, uh, understanding of, what's, of what the spirit is, of what God is, um, of what, meaning is and then when i started learning torah i was like holy cow this is what i'm thinking you know uh this is exactly kind of where i'm at in terms of uh what religion and spirituality spirituality is it was mind-boggling to me like i really am jewish holy crap you know and so once that kind of validation happened in terms of um understanding because growing up i didn't know there was a bait midrash I just thought it was the synagogue, the Beit Knesset, and then you go and pray, and that's that. But I didn't know there was half the Judaism, or 50.1% of Judaism, I guess, when they do compete, that Beit Midrash is a little slightly more important. So, Could be. So I, the sources I've read are... Um, but then learning the House of Study and learning about the Beit Midrash, that it, it, it kind of... Um, I fit right in, I guess. And that was really an amazing find to see how my soul developed independent of Judaism. But after 25 years of spiritual development, it on its own, it was very obvious that it was a Jewish soul. You know, um, once I realized, once I studied what Judaism was. Um, so I forgot what your question was. Well, we were talking about serving God, but I think, I think I got it. You, that it clicked that the, this, that the, the learning and the seeking and the engaging, I think for you is, a profound service of God, not in the sense of maybe, you know, you've commanded me, but more like you're present and talking to me through all of this and right. I'm connecting back to you through mm-hmm. all of it mm-hmm. also. I mean, I think that black box you drew is now, maybe it's a picture of a bait midrash, right? You're mm-hmm. you're accessing that, that deep right. conscious point, right. but it's not only personal and private, it's happening in this mm-hmm. rich context with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through texts and through voices. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, from what you described, I think the godliness is there all around it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'd like to bring it, it's very rich in certain regards of, of, of kind of in a almost egotistical, uh, individualized sense. But I'd let, it's, God, I don't think God cares too much whether you feel one with them or if you're like, oh, yeah, we're talking all the time. You know, it's probably more important that you're praying with your feet, so to speak. Mm. So, you know, I need to under, I understand that, but it's it's easy to understand. It's more difficult to kind of 
to do that. So, uh, you know, there's things to work with in, in order to uh, worship God versus just the kind of like high moments of holiness. There's the, 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 the difficult parts of going out and trying to do good. So maybe in this text, there's a progression, right? The three things. You start with Torah to give you like this lens or insight into right. godliness. Then you kind of direct yourself towards that godliness and service, but ultimately it finishes up with milut chasadim, right? right. That, that service manifests itself most deeply, like you said, in praying with your feet uh, and showing loving kindness to others. So maybe mm. there's like an right. element or a prism you. there. Yeah. Oh, it's a great factory you just gave us. Yeah, well, you know, I, I appreciate your help with that. All right, right on. So we're going to close now. Uh, I want to give you my my, uh, my takeaway, or okay. what I want to learn from you. Okay. My aspiration. Yes. Uh, I think I can't, the arts part, I can't do. It's mm-hmm. not me. Uh, I can respect what you do, but I can't imitate it or emulate it. I think for you, the most powerful thing in my takeaway is your ability to be so open and so present in so many different worlds. Like mm. I frequently get hung up on the tension. Right. I think I often see like boundaries and opposition, and it's like you don't take it in that way. You're right. able to be authentically multiple things at the same time and and grow from that and not get hung up on you know this hierarchy like maybe i'm still I'm stuck I'm too Talmudic with all of it. I want it mm. to be a hierarchy. I want it to be some kind of chain of command mm-hmm. and you're like you're telling me it doesn't have to be that way all the time and you can be in multiple places and hear multiple things and you don't have to worry about quote-unquote what's in charge or what's most important because they can all be present for you you can be a rabbi and a rapper and a father and a son and a husband Mm -hmm. and a friend and 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 even if these things all speak with different voices they don't have to push each other out of the room so Mm -hmm. i think that's a really big accomplishment on your end uh, and, of course, I'm happy for Pardes to take all the credit for your uh, artistic growth and career. And that's how we're going to write the history. Please do. But, uh, you know, I'm just you, trying to be a footnote in, this, in the legend of Rabbi Yaffa Epstein. Well, so, I think you know. you're way more than a footnote. I think you're, you're now a colleague. I think you're going to have to yeah, embrace right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You're a colleague. You know, that, that's how it is. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to live with that mantle, my friend. I don't sure. know how to tell you, but uh, you know, listen, to be a colleague of Rabbi Yaffa Epstein is a, know, it's a big right? blessing. So I want to thank you for your time Absolutely. and your wisdom and your, your home and your openness and uh, your loving personality. And thank everybody out there who's listening. Please give a listen and multiple listens to uh, rabbis and rappers. Rappers, rappers and, and rabbis. rabbis. Of course, I got it the mm-hmm. other way. It's selfish of me. <laughs> uh, but there are three episodes out now. Uh-huh. With a fourth on its way. That's right. Uh, and I actually appear in the fourth one if I if I make it into the final mm-hmm. edit. Well, it'll be like so the sixth one. Please look mm-hmm. for that. And where else can people find you? Do you have a website? Uh, BibleRaps.com. And uh, yeah, holler at your boy. We do uh, we teach Torah in fun ways through hip-hop. Okay. And for those over 40, holler at your boy probably means send him an email or contact him. Exactly. I'd like to be a translator. Right Thank on. you very much. And for everybody else listening, uh, we look forward to you joining us again in the future. This Pardes Life is an original podcast production from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. For more original Torah content, please visit www.elmad.pardes.org. E-L-M-A-D.pardes.org.